Hey, sports fans, it's time for Between the Lines, an opinionated look at the week in sports. Now, from the showroom of Napleton Infinity in Augusta, Georgia, here's the stars of our show, Will Avery, Roy Peak, and the Mac Daddy, Charles McNeil. Dogs got drubbed at Death Valley. And welcome to another edition of Between the Lines. This is show number two. Happy to have the guys back with me and uh, jump right into you, Will. This was not a no at all what you expected to be watching on a Saturday afternoon. Not at all. <clears throat> uh, it was our first real test, and uh, obviously we didn't pass it. Uh, a lot went wrong yesterday. Uh, when, when I looked at both of these teams, the strengths of both teams, I felt like we would be able to run the football. Uh, we came into the game ranked 16th in the country in rushing uh, against the LSU team that had just gave up 215 yards on the ground to Florida. So I thought we would be able to run the ball, control the time, maybe force a turnover or two, and we, and we would come out you know, with, with the win. But unfortunately, that, hap that didn't happen. Uh, hats off to LSU. They're a good football team. Uh, they've beaten three top 10 teams in this young season all already. And uh, I think they're only going to get better. The good thing for Georgia, they have the bye week. Uh, we can clean up some things. Uh, Kirby Smart gets to prove his leadership here and getting the guys back together. And I think he has a tough test here as... I think that locker room is going to be a little divided now. You hear fans and a lot of people calling for more fields. Uh, Fromm clearly couldn't make plays in a big game on the road yesterday, so he has a week or two to get things under control and uh, get this football team back on the right track. Yeah, exactly. Well, in this game, we find, found out what happened when the cat chases the dog, you know. Uh, cats got after the dogs this weekend. They were relentless. Um, but besides the game, to me, it was funny to see how fast the Georgia fans jumped off the bandwagon. Uh, going back to last year, the national championship game, I'd never seen a team so happy after a loss. They were excited about this year coming in. They say Georgia's the Alabama of the East. Kirby Smart is the next Nick Saban. They had the best running backs in the conference. And, and they may have, but they have the offensive coordinator not putting those guys to use. And when you get down to fourth and goal and you want to run the ball, you don't use your kicker. I mean, you got the fastest guys in, in the conference. They say they all of them running over 20 miles per hour. I don't know what they're using to judge them with. But I think the play calling let the team down. And Kirby Smart after the game was talking about how uh, the losses on him. But what I've read, he's diamond out on Jake Fromm, saying he missed throws. Jake Fromm didn't read the defense. The wide receivers missed routes. I mean, that's if you're a leader, if you're going to take the, the blame for it, take the blame for it. Man, I can't wait to Alabama get tested. You know, he has all the answers. What? A lot of that's right. We do have the best running backs in the league. Fromm did miss some throws. He missed some reads. He didn't, you know, you're a quarterback for a big-time team that's in national championship contention now year in and year out. You got to make those plays, and you got to be able to come away with wins like this on the road. Maybe Fromm isn't the answer. That could be true. You know, we have to, we definitely will find out soon. The thing about Georgia, and I've covered them over the years, they always seem to have another quarterback waiting in the wings. So we'll see if the young fella will get a chance down the stretch or whether it'll be, you know, Jake from State Farm coming through again for the Georgia Bulldogs to get him back in the that top four, which is very, very coveted. Let's look at the rest of the SEC and start with your account the Alabama Crimson Tide. Alabama is still offensively looking good, but what disappointed me this week is their inability to finish inside the red zone. They got in three times, 
and settle for field goals. Fortunately, the kicker was on this week, but we can't rely on that. Um, defensively, they stepped it up. We, Alabama lost the key cor- the starting cornerback, um, and the, the backup, uh, Savion Smith, stepped in, had two interceptions, almost took one to the house. There's a lot to, to, uh, to be encouraged about. Yeah, Alabama's uh, by far the best team in the country. Uh, had a little scare with the quarterback, but I think I don't think it's anything serious. And the defense looked really good yesterday. I thought Missouri would be able to sling it around, spread them out, and put some points up on the board. And uh, Alabama's secondary accepted the challenge and uh, played pretty good. And if they get that corrected right now, at this, and I hate to say this, but I don't see anybody beating them right now. They look really good yesterday. Yeah, I was thinking they might be able to challenge one of the NFL teams, like the New York Giants, possibly down the down the stretch if Eli doesn't uh, turn things around. But let's get back to CC and Florida. Quite impressive in their last couple of week run as they prepare for the the big event down in Jacksonville. It's going to be a big game uh, between Georgia and Florida coming up. I'm glad Georgia has the bye week to, uh, to clean up some things. But uh, Florida's played well, and. Uh, uh, they're, they're going to be ready for this game. A lot, a lot of those teams, I still uh, think, is a chance that you can get two SEC teams in that in that top four. And a lot of these teams control their own destiny. And I think uh, th- this is one of them. You know, it's, it's almost come to a, a double elimination college football tournament. You know, long as you don't lose two, you're still in it. But let's keep it moving. We talked about Florida. Your thoughts about them, but also about Texas A&M and Jimbo in his first year from Florida State. Jimbo, you know, he's proven that he can coach. But we'll go back to Florida. Florida, their success rides on the play of Felipe Franks. I mean, he's, if he's consistent and they have athletes as usual, then they should be good. The defense is stepping up. They have a, a pretty good defensive front. and I, I like what they have, but the SEC is a different beast. Uh, going back to um, Jimbo, Jimbo's going to have that team around another year of recruiting. They should be one of the threats in the, in the conference. Very underrated defense, uh, Texas A&M has as well. And I think we're used to Sumlin and him spreading you out and putting up a lot of points uh, on the board. But uh, they're not bad defensively. All right, let's keep it moving. The top 10 teams in the country saw four of them go down to defeat. Well, where do you want to start? The one that surprised me the most was uh, Michigan State going into Penn State on homecoming and winning. Uh, I thought Penn State uh, was a really good football team and, you know, that, that was just, that was probably the worst uh, loss of the weekend. All the other teams uh, were on the road, but uh, this one shocked me the most, and and that's pretty much it for Penn State. Yeah, to me, I'm just tired of being fooled by these pretenders. I mean, you have Notre Dame, they're pretenders. I think Notre Dame is legit, though. I mean, you saw Michigan yesterday play well against Wisconsin and Notre Dame. Handled them pretty easy, man. I think Notre Dame is legit. I actually like Notre Dame a lot more than I like Clemson. Well, 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 we know how your picks go. But Notre Dame, they, I mean, I, I just don't have the, the confidence in their quarterback book. I mean, they, they, otherwise they have athletes, but not the speed type athletes. They have strong guys, and, and they play well together, but I, I just don't see them making it in the top four. I mean, it's, well, it's typical Notre Dame in this regard. They, they're not a team that's going to be overly flashy. You know, they've got guys that are serviceable and they make the plays that need to be made to come up with the victories. The most important thing, I think, for Notre Dame fans is that they are able to keep up that intensity because they generally play down to the level of their competition. 
All right, let's keep things moving, guys, and uh, we'll get to our top four in just a minute. But before we get there, we got to talk a little bit about quarterbacks on the move. And one particular, everybody knows Kelly Bryant decided to transfer from Clemson a couple of weeks ago. And as a result, he's already gone out and visited at the University of North Carolina just up the road. And uh, that would be an interesting thing to keep him in conference. But also he has a trip planned for Arkansas. First of all, Will, where do you think he'll land and what would be the best fit for him? And then the secondary thing is, you know, how does this impact the landscape of college football where players will be able to just kind of leave their teams in midstream and move on the following year? Him being a kid from South Carolina, I think he ends up at North Carolina, uh, get a chance to go back and play Clemson. And uh, and but but one of the things uh, about this is it proves to me that he doesn't care about winning. You know, with the schools he's visiting, he clearly just wants to play. I don't know if it's to prepare himself for a shot at playing in the, NBA, in the NFL. Uh, but, uh, you know, those those schools kind of shocked me. But I can see him going to uh, North Carolina just to, to come back uh, and have a chance to, to defeat Clemson. Um, but it, it, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen a lot. You know, here's a guy on a top three team in the country that's that's willing to move and go to a team that's, that's not that's barely making a bowl, and uh, so you're going to see this happen a lot. But I, because I think the ultimate goal for these quarterbacks is to be able to play on Sunday, and they're going to move if if that means they get an opportunity uh, to throw the ball. Yeah, if I would advise Kelly just Brian to stay out of the SEC, go to the ACC, where his defense is not as strong. I mean, he's going to get exposed. And that's going to hurt his draft value, which he's trying to increase. So North Carolina would be the best fit to me. All right, let's stay right here, Roy. It's time for your top four. Well, we're going to start at the top. Of course, at number one, I got Alabama. Like I said, the defense played well, and they're, they're starting to mature. And even with the loss of a starting cornerback, they have one step in and, and, and play well. At number two, I'm going with Clemson. Clemson is a great running team. I think as the year goes around, uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence gets more comfortable, and they'll try to expand his uh, offensive package more. At number three, I'm going Ohio State. Ohio State is explosive offense, but uh, Ohio State has a tendency to play to the level of their competition. It's two weeks in a row where the game was in doubt in the fourth quarter, and if they want to compete at, at an elite level, they have to fix that. They have to come ready to play every week. At number four, I know this is going to be a, a somewhat controversial pick, but I still think they're one of the best, four best teams in the country. I'm going with the Georgia Bulldogs, believe it or not. I, I love the athletes they have. It's just the play calling yesterday was atrocious in my opinion. But if they get uh, from more confidence, then I think they'll be fine. I'm going with them, Georgia at four. Wow. I'm, I'm almost speechless here. All right, Will, what do you have in your top four? I have Alabama at the top uh, right now. They've been the best football team, no doubt about it. Number two, I have Ohio State. Uh, they have the athletes. They have the playmakers. Uh, quarterback uh, is up for the highest men, has a good chance of winning it because he's playing four quarters. And I think a lot of, a lot of uh, them playing down to the competition may have a lot to do with not having their head coach uh, for the first part of the season. I think they're only going to get better, and I think they're going to run through that conference once, once they do. Uh, number three for me is Notre Dame. Uh, I like Notre Dame. Uh, just the victory over Michigan right now is one of the, the best victories of any of the teams in the top four. And uh, right now, I'm going to go with Clemson at number four. 
very weak schedule, but uh, this week at NC State could be a real test for him. Yeah, and my four look just like Will's, uh, but just with a small flip-flop because I decided I didn't want it to be exactly like yours. So I'm starting off with Bama, of course, number one. My number two team is going to be a shocker. It's Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish. I just told you why a few minutes ago, why I think they have a chance of doing it, plus their strength of schedule as the schedule wears on will benefit them. Ohio State, number three, a close, uh, you know, just beneath Notre Dame easily could be number two. And we're going to finish it off with the Clemson Tigers. And uh, again, Clemson, if they put everything together, they could be one of the top teams in competing for the national championship. Well, that wraps Drink up. Look at that Notre Dame Kool-Aid, I'm telling you. Yeah, it, it tastes really good uh, in Napleton's uh, glasses. Here. And they have a tougher schedule than Clemson. We're here broadcasting live from Napleton Infinity. Hope that you'll be able to stop by and visit them in the uh, upcoming weeks and tell them how much you appreciate the uh, Between the Lines program being right here. Roy and Will will be back with me in just a couple of seconds, and we're going to talk NFL football and the NBA. It's up next Between the Lines. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the show. You ever wonder what these guys look like? Well, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Between the Lines Sports Show. Another big party in New Orleans meant that Chris Brown and Drew Brees hung out. And from what I understand, actually, Brown got, gave uh, Brees a new nickname. He's now known as Drew Breezy. And welcome to the NFL as we talk about our NFL segment. And this one is going to be chock full of all kinds of nuggets. So I hope that you're strapped in and ready to go. Drew Brees becomes the all-time passing leader, Roy. And uh, with that comes expectations of being amongst the top quarterbacks all time in your list of top 10? Well, I, I definitely think he's top 10. Um, it's, it's obvious with this new record that puts him in the elite class. Uh, I think the thing that keeps him out of the top five is he only has one a Super Bowl champion. I say one, that's a major accomplishment. But if he hangs around, gets two or three more, and then he, he definitely moves into the top five. Uh, I have him in the top 10 also. And um, for, for me, you know, he's very similar to Dan Marino. I think when it's all said and done, he's going to have all the passing records. But uh, he, he has the, the one Super Bowl. But the other thing for me that the guys in my top five have that he doesn't is MVP of the league. You know, as, as good as he's been with all the records, he's never been MVP of the league. And uh, the guys, uh, Brady, uh, uh, Manning, Aaron Rodgers, you know, all these guys. Brett Favre has been MVP, and uh, he hasn't done that. But uh, he, he's been amazing. He's having a really good year. And, and uh, I think if he can get a couple more rings and come up with the MVP of the league, and I think he can get into the top five. Yeah, you guys have some high expectations for a 40-year-old guy that he's going to win an MVP this late in his career. That'd be unprecedented. Now, not to say he couldn't do it this year. Brady did it at 40. Quarterback. No. <laughs> he, he was Tom Brady with five <laughs> rings as well. So, you know, again, I'm going to take you back to this. This is, this is my take on the whole situation. Think about if Drew Brees had stayed in San Diego. Talk about impact now. If Drew Brees stayed in San Diego and they won a title there, would they be in Los Angeles now? That's impactful. If, if he, you know, in the time that he was traded to Miami, well, he got traded to Miami. He was officially going to Miami, failed their little test with the frozen arm. If they win a title, does Nick Saban even leave Miami? It's possible that he doesn't, but... He's not your coach at that point. 
find another one. You know, uh, uh, no, every, who, who doesn't want that job? Because that that priest saving era, whoo, that was bad. And and then you figure he winds up in New Orleans, where he gets a chance, and he he carries him to a title. They had that whole experience with Katrina. He basically unifies the entire city. Drew Brees gets major points beyond just the football arena from those things. And I think with that, you got to put him right in that top five. I'm not saying he's, you know, going any lower than the top five. And I don't care if you're talking about Elway, uh, Marino, you know, you name a Peyton Manning. Joe Montana, oh, Joe my Montana, guy. Yeah, you know, any of those guys. Drew Brees, six foot tall, and probably not even that, is getting it done. Well, guys, there's a lot of other things going on in the NFL. And, Will, I got to throw this out to you. Antonio Brown, okay? And he's got a couple of lawsuits going on right now, allegedly throwing items off a 14th-story condo. Have you ever been that mad that you wanted to throw stuff off the 14th floor? No matter how mad you get, or I got, I always got to think about the consequences. You know, what if I hit somebody? I don't know if he did, but what, what if I hit somebody coming from 14 floors up? That's going to have a lot of impact, and that could be really bad. So, uh I, I, that's tough, man. Uh, yeah, I hope he gets this all um, under control, gets it resolved, and uh, he doesn't have to pay any harsh penalties behind it where it can affect his team going forward. I think winning is going to fix all that. I, and I disagree with that, what he did, of course, but his frustration is he's not handling it well. But uh, like you said, um, I think winning solves all that. Le'Veon Bell comes back, and that's going to be key, you know, how he comes back, how the team make, how the locker room accepts him. But uh, Antonio Brown was that behavior was unacceptable. I agree with that. Well, you talk about Le'Veon Bell coming back. I don't know if you've seen it, but Roethlisberger is publicly calling for more touches for Connor and talking about Connor having a big part even when Le'Veon returns. So if Roethlisberger is saying this publicly, I don't know how these guys really feel about Le'Veon in the locker room with your leaders stating these things publicly. I think that's just a way to motivate Le'Veon Bell. You got to play a little psychiatrist every now and then. He knows he's coming back. Connor's going to stay in the lineup, I believe, in a, in a role. And Le'Veon comes back, and he thinks Roethlisberger, you know, thinks he needs to pick it up. Then that's what he does. So I think I think it's more so of you know Le'Veon is gone after this year. So let's go ahead and move ahead with Connor. Let's rally behind him because this is what we need right now. And let's get rid of the distractions. That's a great distraction to have. You got one of the best backs in the league. Uh, you could argue with his off-field behavior, his, his comments about the team, but, but then he gets it done on the field. Well, how good is he going to be after missing seven weeks of football? I think he's fresh. I mean, he's, he stays in shape. I've seen videos of him. He's working his behind off. Football shape is obviously different, but I think he comes back ready. There's no way he's simulating picking up those linebackers on third down no with, with no matter what he's doing. No question. I agree with you on that. Well, guys, Jacksonville, their owner, Shad Khan, has decided he wants to play more games in, in London. And since he's part owner of Wembley Stadium, he can decide where he wants to play his games. What do you think about Jacksonville possibly playing half their home schedule across the pond? That's not going to happen. I mean, it sounds good to him. It's a good financial move, obviously, because that stadium holds – well over 100,000 people, and, and they fill it up. But it, and, uh, that's just not going to happen. I don't see it happening. You know, I see what he's doing marketing-wise, but I think it's a slap in the face to the fans in Jacksonville to take away four games. And, you know, I, I, I hope it doesn't happen. I can't see uh, the NFL going for this.
Well, guys, it's time for our pick segment, and you saw the results, or you see the results as well. Let's go ahead and get to the games that matter to everybody out there. Let's start off with Atlanta taking on Tampa Bay. Atlanta today, um, I think Matt Ryan will have time to find guys. Uh, Tampa Bay just hadn't been able to get to the quarterback all year, and they haven't been able to turn, guy, uh, turn teams over. Either they have eight sacks and one interception through four games. I think Matt Ryan gets to throw the ball in Julio and really have big days. And I'm going with the Falcons. It should be a shootout again because both defenses are struggling so far this year. I think Jameis comes in, gets it going. He's got some of the best receivers in football as well, big guys that can get up and down the field. you got speed guys. Uh, I'm looking for uh, Tampa to pull this off. Even without Fitz Magic, I'm still going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Game number two, Carolina and Washington. Uh, Carolina and Washington. Carolina's defense is pretty stout, and uh, the good news for uh, Cam is that uh, their tight end Greg Olson's back. Even though he's going to play a limited role because of his foot injury, I think – they do enough to, uh, to knock off Washington today. I'm going with the path. I think it comes down to Cam Newton uh, against Washington's defense, being able to make plays with his feet, uh, getting Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield, matched up against the linebacker core from uh, Washington. I think the Panthers win. Cam? Oh, Cam? I'm going with the Carolina Panthers. Game number three, Jacksonville and Dallas. Battle of two beat-up teams uh, right now. Both teams struggling offensively. Uh, I think Dallas is able to run the ball today with Zeke, and I think Dallas wins. Dallas wins because it's for first place in the division as far as we're concerned. Cowboys big. I'm going with Jacksonville. I think they take the ball away from Zeke or, or, or they make put the ball in the hands of Dak Prescott more, more like it. And he just didn't have the weapons to throw the ball to regardless. And uh, I'm going with Jacksonville. Oh, low excuses for Bortles with this overrated Jacksonville defense. Cowboys run all over them today. I was quite disappointed with Bortles last week. The thing I said he didn't need to do is turn it over, and that's what he did all day. So, But I think he gets that corrected. So I guess he's responsible for those 30 points that was put up on the board. Give it to the other team enough. They're going to score. All right. Our fourth game, guys, is Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. And, of course, I, um, I think, you know, Pittsburgh is one of those outstanding teams when they play together. But they're a little fractionized right now, so I'm going with Cincinnati. I got the Bengals as well. I, I like what Andy Dalton is doing. I like the front seven on defense. Uh, Joe Mixon is back. I think he gets some lanes to run the ball. Uh, he's second in the league in rushing. A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, a lot of weapons. Big divisional game. Uh, normally, this would have been a defensive battle, but it's going to be a lot of points scored, and I'm going with the Bengals. I think this is an early must-win game for Pittsburgh already. And, and you know, with that, you got weapons with uh, Antonio Brown. You got Juju. And like you mentioned, James Conner's playing well. The defense is a little banged up, but I don't think Cincinnati is facing the type of offense they're going to face. So I'm going with Pittsburgh in this one. All right, our final two games on the slate, Miami and Chicago. And what a, a, a head knocker that's going to be. I think the, uh, the Miami Dolphins are playing well, but I don't know if they can beat Chicago. With Khalil Mack, I'm, I'm expecting a strip sack and a touchdown by Mack in this one. Yeah, I think the Bears' defense have, the, have a big day here. Uh, Tannehill is out. That only spells trouble for the Dolphins. And uh, Trubisky had a big game bef before the bye uh, week. Uh, I know Miami has a pretty good secondary that nobody's really talking about. But uh, I think this is the game Josh Howard gets going and uh, we get some, uh, not we, but 
you know, the the Bears get some some stuff going downfield. Off the fan bandwagon already. I got Burden on my fantasy team, so that's why I'm saying we. But I think Burden has a big day today and the Bears win. Let's see what he has to say. Well, obviously Miami's playing with their second string quarterback. He's second string for a reason. But they do have some playmakers. They have a kid, Jakeem Grant. He scored three different ways. Touchdown, perception. He hadn't seen this defense, though. Well, he he does it on special teams. Kickoff, return for a touchdown, and a punt return for a touchdown. So he's a play, he's a game breaker and a playmaker. I like him. But saying that, I'm going to go with Chicago because uh, their defense is pretty stout. All right. So our final game is the primetime game Sunday night: Kansas City and New England. What a game that will be! The one the kid prevails. You know, Patrick Mahomes, first year as a starter. Hall of Famer Pat Mahomes. For New England's defense today. I know Belichick is going to throw some things to confuse him, but he has the offensive genius and the quarterback whisper over there and Andy Reid, and they get it done in primetime today against the washed-up Tom Brady and New England Patriots. Okay. Well, the last time we saw these two play each other, it was a a disaster for New England. Who won again? Well, Kansas City got blown out, like a finish. And those are the kind of games as a team, if you're competitors, you want to circle that game on the schedule. And I think they come out with some revenge on their mind. Of course, Will's got Mahomes in the Hall of Fame, but New England has a real Hall of Famer, Tom Brady, and a Hall of Famer and uh, Coach Bill Belichick. Um, I think, like you said, they throw a lot of different stuff at Mahomes. And, and the truth of the matter is the last two weeks, Mahomes has looked average. A lot of yards, one touchdown, two interceptions the last two games. I think you say he looks average because the expectations are so high. He's only in his first year as a starter. Right, one touchdown, two interceptions is average. I guarantee Justin Houston has two sacks there against Brady, and they get after him. It's going to be a bad, bad night for Brady. And you know, you know what everybody will be saying tomorrow? Like, man, it's time for New, Brady, uh, New England to move on. He's going to be the same thing we did with Eli. That's what we're going to do with Brady. Week before, and, and look what New England comes out and does. Yeah. yeah, usually when, when Brady's back is against the wall, he comes out swinging. I expect that to happen, and it's, I actually expect Brady to make a comeback as well. I think they'll be down early in that game. Make a comeback, only to lose down the stretch. I like 34-31, Kansas City. Don't do it. Oh, Charles, you did it. And that's your picks for this week. And when we come back, NBA time. I know you've been waiting for it. The Western Conference preview is upon us. LeBron bringing the title back to La La Land. Stay with us. King is here. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. I know you enjoyed today's show, but have you subscribed yet? Well, what are you waiting for? Tell a friend. Tell all your friends to subscribe to Between the Lines Sports Talk Show. Back in the day, they said the NBA is fantastic and another season's about to get started. So let's get into the Western Conference and start with Will. Minnesota has been in the news this week, not maybe in the greatest way, but uh, more so because the information got out about Jimmy Butler and his disdain for his teammates. And they even challenged him to the point of bringing some of the guys at the end of the bench, including Luau Dang, challenged the starters, and they cleaned their clock in practice. I know you've been a part of NBA practices, so talk a little bit about the type of dissension that might be going on with that organization and whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Well, you know, initially I really liked it. I thought uh, having your leader come in there and eject some energy into your team, you know, if they could uh, 
The next day, though, was the most important day, and they I saw they canceled practice, you know, whether it was true or not. If you did cancel practice and you had a meeting with the guys and you could have got on the same page, I thought that could have been a really good thing for this thing. This is a very talented team. And, uh, and then I saw where he set out the preseason game. So, you know, it, it's a disaster there. Um, I don't think it can be fixed at this point. Uh, I think it's a lot of issues, um, money uh, being one. I don't think Butler is going to be able to handle playing, you know, with these two guys making a significant uh, more, more money than he is. And um, I, I just think you got to trade him at this point. And it's sad because there's no, there's no way this club can make the playoffs in the West without Jimmy Butler. Well, uh- I'm kind of taking KG's take on this. I think both sides are a little delusional, is what he said. I mean, Jimmy Butler, he's a very talented player, but he's not that guy that's going to take a team and lead them to the the NBA championship or deep into the playoffs. He's going to need a a very helpful support system. Um, And then, like Will said, they're they're just carrying this stuff over in the media. This team, even if Jimmy goes back, is they're going to be a disaster. They don't make the playoffs. Uh, so it's, it's a bad situation. And, and it sounds like to me that the front office had this already figured out. When you gave Wiggins the max and then you turn around and gave Cat the max, seems like you already had this figured out. But I guess what they were thinking is, you know, like Roy said and Casey said, Jimmy's not that guy, so maybe we can lowball him and get him to stay. And turns out I think it offended Butler. And that's why we have all these issues. Yeah, he says all he really wants is a little bit of love. Speaking of love, there's a love fest going on in La La Land with LeBron James and uh, Lil' King, as he coined him, Lonzo Ball. What do you think of Lonzo getting the title of Lil' King? Uh, Lonzo's got to prove something first. I mean, he can't get, give him the crown yet. And, he, and obviously, he's worked on his body. He's worked on his shot. So he's shown that he wants to get better. But uh, with that team, I, I'm not sure the role he's going to play. You got they brought in Rondo, and he's playing the point. You got Brandon Ingram playing the point, and of course you got LeBron. When all else fails, you give him the ball to get out of the way. But I'm not sure the role Le- Lonzo is going to play with this. Lonzo added 20 pounds of muscle, and uh, the jump shot looks a little bit more fluid, at least in the preseason. Will, what do you think? I like I like this group. Uh, I like Lonzo uh, alongside LeBron. I think they're going to exceed uh, many people's expectations. Uh, this this little King thing is just LeBron playing counselor, trying to give his young fella some confidence uh, going into the season because he knows he's probably going to start the season on the bench behind Rondo. But don't worry about it because I anointed, anointed you as the little King. You know, so everything will be okay. So what role do you think he plays in offense? Does he, who does he play behind or what kind of minutes is he going to get? It's, I think he's just in a tough situation. He, he definitely is. I, I can see him being moved by February. I really can. Because if you watch the preseason, when LeBron's out of the game, the guy who handles the ball the most is Brandon Ingram. And, uh, and I, I think that's the guy that they've always liked ever since Magic has taken over. He's the one guy that Magic always always said is off limits when it comes to trading. So I think uh, Lonzo Ball is is the odd man out here, and I think a lot of people around the league like what he can do when he has the ball in his hands. Unfortunately, I don't see him getting that opportunity with this group. I also think this is an audition for Brandon Ingram, whether they're going to sign him long term or use him as trade bait, so to speak. 
I mean, if you put him at point guard, obviously he's going to have the ball in his hand and see if he can make plays. So I, I think it's a good situation for Brandon Ingram either way. Well, we're getting close to picks time, but before we get there, some more nuggets to pass along. Joel Embiid, he drops Adidas and winds up being picked up by Under Armour as he's now the new pitch man there. Can a big man sell shoes and merchandise? I, I, I'm a, I don't think so. Uh, Shaq was one of the, the greatest big men big man of all time. Great personality as we see him. He's constantly getting endorsements even after his playing career. And, and he couldn't get it done. I, I love Joel Embiid as a player. I love his personality. But at the end of the day, it's just not a, a lot of kids walk around like, I'm going to be seven foot. I'm going to be like Joel Embiid. And, and I think in saying that, they can't really, you know, relate and go out there and emulate him on the court. And with that said, I just don't think he's going to be able to move shoes like that. I agree to a certain extent, but Joel Embiid is a, is a different kind of guy. He's, he has a very engaging personality. He kind of relates to a lot of people, despite his size. I know it's hard for big guys to sell shoes, but I think he gets it done just because his personality is so so engaged. Well, another interesting note this time from the police blotter, where uh, out of Detroit is reporting that uh, Senator Andre Drummond allegedly impregnated two Instagram models at the same time. What's Andre doing? I mean, how, how do you do that at the same time? But uh, <laughs> that, that's amazing in itself. But uh, I, I, man, how do you? How does that get out? You know, we talked about uh, the man Frank Kaminsky breaking the code last week. Andre Drummond, shame on you, brother. Drummond's living his best life, man. He's living his best life. <laughs> Yeah, he's got a little bit of a challenge. Okay, it's picks time as we quickly try to change the subject and get into the Western Conference. Some exciting games. We looked at the uh, top eight from last year, and uh, a couple of teams were on the outside just oh so close. Those first three teams were dominant, and the rest of that uh, final five were, you know, several um, rungs back in the in the win column. So who do you like in the West? Who are your top four? Uh, Golden State, uh, number one, just uh... – they have the best group. I mean, that, that team is going to be tough to beat. Houston, number two. Um, I think the addition of, of Carlo Mello, Carmelo Anthony will help. They, they lost some stuff on the defensive end. But, you know, when it comes playoff time, you know, having a veteran guy like that with that kind of talent uh, to help you out, that's going to be big. Uh, I have Utah, num- number three. I think Donovan Mitchell really has a, you know, comes into his own this year. Uh, I like what Quinn Snyder's been able to do. They defend, you know, and they have a lot of solid guys. You know, they don't really have superstars, but a lot of solid guys. And uh, Quinn Snyder has control of this group. The young guys are developing. Uh, guys like Dante Exum will be back. He's been hurt, you know, in and out of the lineup the last few years. And the fourth spot, I'm down with the king, man. I'm, I'm going with the Lakers. I'm going with the Lakers. I really like what they've been able to do. And what he's going to bring to that team is every night you go, you go on the floor, you're going to expect to win just because you have him, you know. And, and, and that's going to change the culture around there. And what, also what it's going to bring is going to bring accountability. You know, if you're expected to win, guys are going to start holding each other accountable because they know you have to do A, B, and C, and, you know, meaning the little things to get the Ws. And if you can get those young guys to do this, with that talent, they're going to be good. Well, I'm going with uh, Houston at number one. 
I mean, they were the best team in the uh, West record-wise last year. And they say, people say that they lost things. Trevor Reza hasn't been a, a lockdown defender in years. I mean, they bring in a younger guy, James Ennis. He's played well. And you bring in uh, Marquise Chris. And he, he expected to do a nice athletic guy, gets after it, and he adds a little depth to the team. Uh, and uh, also, Carmelo's a supreme scorer, as we know. He can turn it on and, and go for 30 or 40 at any time. Uh, at number two, I'm going with Golden State. Golden State was 58-24 last year. They're not exactly tearing the league up. I mean, that's a pretty good record. But I, there's rumblings, and I, I think it's getting loud with the uh, departure of Clay Thompson M- imminent, possibly, and possibly KD leaving, and possibly Steve Kerr being this last year. So I think they have a little bit too many distractions to be, uh, win the championship this year. Number three, I'm going with OKC. I think uh, Paul George and my man Russ have enough in, their, in themselves to get it done. And one of the most underrated guys, center Stephen Adams. He controls the paint. Uh, I like them a lot. At number four, I'm going with Utah as well. He got a, a budding star in Donovan Mitchell, you know, and he's got some pieces to go with him. So I, I, I like those. All right, so we got the predictions of the experts. Now let's go ahead and get your thoughts on that as well. You can chime in on our Facebook page and or any of our social media. Between the lines is where you can find those designations and the polls are out there, so make sure you take advantage of that. Guys, since we are predicting, Roy, I'm going to start with you. Who is your preseason rookie of the year? Wow, this is going to shock some people, but I'm going with Luka Doncic. And the reason why is because he's he's one of the better young players on a, on a team that doesn't have a lot of expectations, and I think they're looking to to turn the team over to he and uh, Dennis Smith, and uh, I think Dirk's coming off the bench, so he's going to get a lot of shot opportunities. I I've seen him play; I was kind of skeptical about him, but he can do a lot of things. He's he's very good passing the ball, pretty good knockdown shooter, and he, and he, he I think he's going to win it. I'm going with Aiden. Uh, the, the thing about what Roy said about Donkish, I think Donkish is going to have an issue because you also have a young guy in Dennis Smith, and both of these guys need the ball. And Dennis Smith, you know, was drafted, and he's thinking, I'm the franchise guy. Now you go get, you know, you, you go, you know, move and get Donkish, and I think uh, they're going to cancel each other out. I'm going with Aiden because here's a guy that doesn't necessarily need the ball because he can rebound, he can block shot, he's going to be able to, to play off Devin Booker and uh, Josh Jackson. And uh, he's, he's been really good in the preseason. Uh, and he also has a veteran in Tyson Chandler that he can learn from. And I think he, I think he could possibly average uh, 20 and 10 as a rookie. What I see the problem with Aiden is on the defensive end of the floor, with the West is playing small ball and they get him out on the perimeter, it's going to expose him a lot. So uh, that's why I didn't go with Aiden. It was a close race between the two, but I'm, I'm giving the edge to Luca. And neither one of you guys pick Trey Young. Oh, no. Trey Trey might not even start for his team. All right. It's time for the defensive player of the year. Who will that be? I'm going with the Stifle Tower, Rudy Gobert. Again, to, to, to win it again, he's just a big force inside. He changes the game completely. And, uh, and, and he's adding to his offense. So I'm going with uh, Rudy. I like Anthony Davis. You know, he's a guy that can switch uh, and guard every position on the pick and the roll. On the pick and roll, he can, uh, he can protect the rim. Uh, and he, he's 
more mobile than uh, than, than Rudy is going to be able to cover more ground. And uh, I just think he's a more versatile defender. And he's going to have to do a whole lot. I think, uh, you know, Utah uh, with Rudy, they're a good defensive team in general. You know, I think uh, it's, New Orleans are not going to be able to defend a lot of people. So Anthony Davis will be that anchor right there. And he'll have a big year. I think the defensive player of the year is kind of driven by stats. I mean, Corey, yeah, Anthony Davis is going to be good on pick and roll, but how do you measure that? Of course, Stifle Towers blocks a ton of shots, does a great job rebounding. And I agree, Anthony Davis is a supreme defender, no question about it, but I think dic- uh, numbers dictate the winner in this one. And see, I think, I think Davis will have more steals than Goldberg. I think he'll be right there with the blocks, but I think he'll have more steals just because of his versatility. And one guy that I wanted to throw out to both of you guys I think could be a surprise pick in this one. He hasn't won a Defensive Player of the Year award, and L.A. is going to need him to do that. That's LeBron James. Not going to happen, Charles. All right. <laughs> Time for the most improved player. Will, we'll start with you. I'm going with Brandon Ingram. Uh, just having LeBron there that he can learn from. He averaged 16 points a game last year. I can see that getting to the 18-20 range. Uh, he's going to be the guy. Seems like when LeBron goes to the bench, um, and I think they're going to win a win a lot of games. I, last year they won 35 games. I have them uh, pick fourth. Last year the fourth seed in the West won 48 games. I think LeBron is definitely worth plus 14 wins uh, on the season. So I'm going in. I'm starting to see a trend. First, now he's a Lakers fan. I'm not a Lakers fan. I just like what they're doing. And, and Brandon Ingram is, is the best player in the league. I mean, what, I mean, what, what give? Duke ties? Could that be it? But I, I'm going Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray has improved his shooting every year. Uh, he got a, surrounded by a good group of guards, but I think he's the leader of that group. He's a great three-point shooter. He's not afraid to take the big shot. So I, I'm going with uh, Jamal Murray. All right. And that brings us to our first-time All-Stars. I'm going with Ben Simmons. I think uh, Philly finishes second uh, behind Boston and finishing that high, they're going to get two All-Stars and I think it's going to be Embiid and Simmons. Well, no Jason Tatum, huh? I think he's an All-Star. I'm I'm going with Jason Tatum. He he stepped up big in the playoffs last year. He's been working with Kobe. I mean, he's going to take on some of his his techniques and his the Mamba mentality, as they say. I think Jason Tatum has a huge year, even with the re, uh, return of Gordon Hayward and and, and Kyrie. So I, I'm going with Jason Tatum. I mean, I, I like that pick. I, I'm going to go even further. I think Jason Tatum ends up being the second leading scorer on that team. Well, I got Jason Tatum for most improved since you guys shot me down on my LeBron pick. But uh, let's go ahead and take you to the final segment, which is our opportunity to reach out to you guys and ask you to be a part of our polls. We're polling you right now on a variety of different topics, and all we really want you to do is interact with us. Thank you to the over 2,000 people that watched the opening show. Please share that with the rest of the folks out there. And until we meet again, enjoy the NBA. It's fantastic, and it's happening tonight. Take care, good night, and God bless everyone. Okay.